Hi, and welcome to Bake Sale, the podcast featuring conversations with kid-friendly crowdfunding creators. I'm joined here today by Joni Leeds, who is a kids musician in New York City who is turning to Kickstarter to kickstart her sixth album for kids and families, Good Egg. It's actually her second trip through Kickstarter, so she is already a one-time successful Kickstarter artist, and so I'm looking forward to talking with her today about the, her new album, uh, the process of uh, using Kickstarter, and other fun things. So, Joni, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, uh, before we begin and talk about uh, Good Egg and, and Kickstarter and that, I, just tell me a little bit about... Uh, yourself, how you came to uh, make music for kids and families. Sure. Well, um, I started out as a, an acting major, a musical theater major. I graduated from Syracuse and moved to the city thinking I was going to be you know, doing some Broadway. And then I, sure, I, I, I realized very soon after that that um, I started playing guitar in college and writing music and creating my own work I thought was a little bit more rewarding for me than waiting around for some casting director to, you know, look me up. And, <laughs> and that didn't work out so well. Um, so I started doing the whole singer-songwriter thing and, and uh, played in all the bars downtown and, you know, sang all those sad love songs that I was writing. And then um, after a while, it felt like, um, you know, it wasn't really working out for that either. I mean, I, I thought, you know, there was plenty of people coming to shows, but it just wasn't really connecting with me so much anymore. And the day jobs that I had, it was wearing me out. So a friend of mine who was nannying at the time, she was like, you should work with kids. It's really fun. And I honestly had no experience working with kids. I rarely babysat. You know, I wasn't one of these people that, you know, was like had 20 nieces and nephews. I don't have any. So um, you were not an early education major at Syracuse. No, no, I was a musical theater major, which, you know, doesn't get you too far, except for in the music and the theater world. So, um, you know, I worked with what I had, and uh, I took a job working at Gymboree Play and Music, which was a, a parent participation class, and after working there for about two months, I was promoted to managing the center on the Upper West Side. Mm-hmm which was interesting because I had all of this experience being um, assistants working in offices. I had worked at Epic Records and Miramax Films and all of these different places as assistants. So I had that type of experience. But, um, you know, doing managing a center was something very new. But working hands-on with families was really fun. And I got to meet basically the entire Upper West Side that went to Jimbery playing music. Wow. And it was, it was really great. And so I started doing birthday parties and teaching classes and managing. And after a while, a, a bunch of people were like, you know, you really should kind of break off and do this on your own. So that's exactly what I did. And I started a birthday party business and I started teaching in schools and writing music for kids. And that was a long time ago, 2000 and I don't even know. I don't know. I was 27. It was a while ago. And, um, and it just, it really connected with me. And I felt like the honesty that I got from singing and writing for kids, not just in my own songwriting, but the feedback that I was getting from families, it was just something so unique and new and something that I was not getting, you know, singing at the bitter end of the living room or all these places downtown and did, did in New York. You grow, did you grow up in a musical family? I mean, not from the perspective of where you're 
family musicians, although maybe they were, but was music a big part of your family's life or was that just something more that, that you were interested in as, as you were growing up and went off to school? Well, they were always very encouraging of me uh, doing music. They never once said, you know, you should really try to have something to fall back on. You know, they were never one of those <laughs> parents. Mm -hmm. They always encouraged me. They gave me voice lessons. Uh, my mom and dad aren't musicians. My dad played a little electric guitar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we didn't really have musicians in our family, although I, I think my great-grandmother was an opera singer. Um, wow. And my my grandmother has a beautiful voice, it's true, um, as does my mom and my dad. But they, they, t they gave me voice lessons. I took a bunch of drama classes. It's just kind of where I always felt comfortable. And, you know, school, I, I, I went to school. I wasn't really the best at going to school. Uh, I really excelled in my drama music classes. And so that's really where I wanted to spend my time. Well, good. So... Um, you you broke off uh, and went out on your own as as a musician. And uh, did you what did you learn in terms of uh, playing for kids over those times? I mean, uh, was there something different in terms of playing music more in a concert setting than uh, a jamboree setting, which you know is much more sort of one on one or or small group setting? I right. Mean, were there yeah. differences? Well, Jimboree was, everything was planned out for you. You weren't creating, you were getting a lesson plan and then you would, you would do their songs. Um, so just being able to write my own music and perform it and then see how the kids reacted to it was something really new and exciting for me when I was first starting out. Um, those couple of birthday parties where I would sing my originals for the very first time, it was totally nerve wracking. But the, the, the warmth that I got from the families was just, you know, it was infectious. I just really, really fed off of the energy from the families and the kids. And, and that was just encouraging me to go further with it. And what, so, yeah. Was it, was it more nerve wracking and as well as um, more fulfilling than uh, playing a gig at, at the bitter end? I think back in the day, I would get so nervous playing grown-up gigs at the bitter end in the in the living room. I would I would shake and break out in hives. It was completely nerve-wracking. But I don't get that nervous anymore performing for kids. I go on stage and I barely even break a sweat when I when I'm about to start. I'm like totally excited and I don't get nervous. But when I was first starting out, just performing my songs for kids for the first time, it was, it was a little nerve-wracking, but it, it, it just took a little while to realize, oh, wait, they, they like these songs. This is good. And then from there, it just it got much easier, and I, I barely get nervous anymore. So um, one of the things you mention in the Kickstarter uh, video and I think on the page and I'll note that for listeners I will of course have a link to Joni's Kickstarter project page in the show notes for this episode but one of the things you mentioned is that you think that the songs that that you've written for Good Egg which is the the uh, album you're kickstarting right now are mm -hmm. the, the best batch of songs that you've written yet and I'm, I'm wondering if you could just sort of talk a little bit about what you think you've learned over time writing songs for kids Oh, so much. Well, I I did not test these songs out on the kids. And the reason being is I really wanted it to be 
not only a surprise for the kids, but also I wanted the songs to be really, um, I'm trying to explain what I mean, but um, story songs are difficult to, sometimes to play on stage. You know, when you, when you have a, a, a song that's a do-it song, I guess they call, like put your hands up and stomp your feet and do all of those things, mm -hmm. that, that's a lot of the songs that I started out writing were kind of those, you know, do, do this, do that types of songs, whereas I feel like I've evolved over the year into, into writing more story songs. And I think those story songs are a little bit more interesting for the parents and for older children. And I think that this album, all the songs that are on Good Egg, are really more story-oriented and that they will really capture the attention. And I, I really tried to make the lyrics... Um, just I, I, I tried to step them up a notch a little bit. Um, and my songwriting is very, very important to me. Like, I really concentrate on that. And I, I take out major blocks of my summer to just do nothing but write. So, um, it, yeah, I, I, I really do feel like there's some on, some of the songs that are on here are just uh, some of the best songs I've written. I hope that, I hope that everybody agrees <laughs> when no, no, they and, hear and, this. And, and, and I will say that uh, for listeners, I, you know, I definitely... I thought that that bandwagon, your last album, which you kickstarted, was uh, was your best in terms. I you, I can I can definitely see as as somebody who's uh, um, listened to your music over the years that uh, um, not that the early albums were bad, <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't want to leave that. How do I say that? But that band, I could definitely tell that. Uh, You've been working hard at, at at the songwriting, and that um, oh, thanks, and, <laughs> and and that the the bandwagon had some had a really strong batch of songs on it, and so um, you know I'm eager to hear uh, what uh, Good Egg sounds like because you know I I can tell that you are that that's important to you. So, um, oh. what was it like? Uh, you know, so you went up you went to upstate New York. Speaking of of upstate New York and. <laughs> <laughs> you spent some time with you took your entire band up there so your nightlights yeah uh, and you spent uh about a week with uh dean jones who um i'm sure many of you listeners uh will recognize that name dean jones uh never heard of him who's that guy <laughs> <laughs> he, he uh uh is in uh dog on fleas he's uh does some uh kids music on his own and he also um has a prolific gig as a kindy music producer uh in won a grammy or as part of his uh work for recording with the okie dokie brothers and so um how much did dean how does dean help in the uh recording and even perhaps songwriting process well i brought all of the finished songs to him and then, so I brought, uh, my husband is Dan Barman. He's a uh, drummer Dan in our band. And so the two of us went up together with Dean for a pre-production meeting. We played him all of the finished songs. And he's, you know, we just were coming up with some ideas together about how this one should go. And maybe, oh, that one would be really good with like a ska type of sound. Or, oh, we should definitely have horns on this. And I'll say to him, I'd like some strings. And he'll say, oh, I know a string player. So he's just... Um, 
he really knows his stuff and I can't explain it any different that he's kind of like a little kid in a man's body when it comes to, well, no, let me finish. <laughs> when it comes to uh, creativity, because I feel like he comes up with these crazy ideas that are just completely off the wall sometimes, and they totally work. I mean, he has so many different instruments in his studio that I've never even heard of, and just having those things at your fingertips really makes the process so much more fun because you really can play and, and have that young creativity and all of that stuff he brings. It's just, it's incredible, but... um you know, he, he has everything all in his studio, which is a, a barn that's been um, turned into a studio. So we're all in one room together. There's no escape, but that's good because we have all of us, you know, being creative together. And, and it's just really nice. I've been in these big fancy studios before with like the leather couches and everybody's like in their own individual rooms and this sound room. And it, it's just, you know, it's a different way to record. And I kind of like the process of all being in the room together and having him lead the show. I mean, he just does such a great job. No wonder everybody wants to work with him. He's really, he's really creative. And, and, and what was it like having the band with you as you recorded? So it, it sounds like that was different than prior albums. How, how did, how exactly did that differ and, and what were sort of the benefits well, doing that. right. So the, the, a couple of albums ago, I was in Nashville and I worked with these wonderful producers down in Nashville, which we did I'm a rock star and what is zoo together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played all of the instruments you know, I played some guitar, but they played the rest of the instruments and, um, did all of the overdubs and, and everything producing. It was kind of like a one-stop shop. Um, and then for bandwagon and now good egg, uh, Dean, you know, was the producer, but for good, for, sorry, for bandwagon, he had some guys up in upstate New York that he's used in the past that are really great. And it was wonderful to work with them. Um, but after a while I was thinking like, why don't I just get my own guys in there? It, I think the, the main reason that it didn't work out in the past was just because of expense, because it's so expensive to get everybody there, to keep everybody there, block out everybody's schedule, put everybody up in a hotel. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more, um, consuming. So we decided not to do it last time, but then I just really wanted to make it work, which is why my Kickstarter is a little bit more than it was the last time, just to kind of cover those costs, because it was, you know, I'm, I'm feeding all of them, I'm housing all of them. Um, it's not a band like, well, I, I guess I can't really speak for Recess Monkey, but a band, I'm guessing, like Recess Monkey, where they're all kind of in it together. But we're not like that. We, you know, I lead the band and, and I pay these guys. That's... Exactly. Yeah. So... Um... What was it like sort of being there at a recording in in a barn for six days? <laughs> was, was by the <laughs> well, end were were you all like, ah, we're done? <laughs> no, I mean it they were long days and I kind of told them that that's what it was going to be and they they were expecting it, so it wasn't a shock to anybody. And you know, Dean has the stamina, so we just really we worked for about twelve hours a day. It, it wasn't six days; it was four. <laughs> but then, I, <laughs> but then I went back for another, uh, I think, four days with Dan, and we did some overdubs and all the vocals. So, um, you know, I think 
we were tired, but it was really fun. We, we got an, a and b that was near New Paltz, and we all stayed together. And, you know, these are guys that play in their own bands and have a lot of different projects and tour all over the country. And I was expecting, like, okay, we're going to get back to the B&B. There's going to be some drinks. But, no, it was just like, okay, let's all go to sleep. We're exhausted. So it was nice. It was really nice. So Early mornings, late, late nights, and then go to sleep. Great. So let's talk a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign itself. So you are attempting to raise uh, $20,000. And, um, you know, as with many music projects or just about every music project on Kickstarter, uh, people who uh, contribute uh, can be first in line to get uh, copies of the album, either uh, on uh, either via MP3 or as well as uh, a physical copy. But you've got some other interesting uh, um, components of rewards. I, 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 of course, I, you know, when you think about it, it's sort of like a no-brainer. It's like you've got egg shakers. Yeah, so, <laughs> are you... I came up with that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I haven't made them yet. I'm gonna wait and, to, and see how many people want them, and then I'm gonna place an order. And I, I found a company that will put our logo on on the egg shakers. So I thought that was a yeah, a no-brainer. And um, wondering. As you think about the rewards, setting um, the uh, amount of the award, the dollar amount of the award aside, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you would love to have uh, people pledging the the $950. Uh, oh yeah, packages. everybody's going to do but that. <laughs> are there are there other particular rewards that you hope that at least one or two people claim because you think, man, I would like to fulfill that reward because that I had lots of fun coming up with that idea and I would love to have the chance to actually follow through with that. Were there any that you think that you're hoping people uh, take advantage of? Oh, well, there's a couple that I, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. There's one that's called tea for you and me. And I would take, um, I guess it would be for people in the New York area, but I would take them to Alice's teacup, which is my favorite tea place. Um, and I would, you know, bring them there. We could wear fun tea hats. They, they hand out fairy wings to the little girls, which is adorable. And I just thought that would be like a really fun experience to have tea together. Um, I'm definitely a tea person. And then <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of VIP packages for my CD release that um, I didn't do last time, which I think is something new. Um, well, one one person will get the VIP for the CD release, which is going to be this summer on the day of our CD release, which is um, the 24th of June. We're going to be playing at Madison Square Park at part of the, the Madison Square Kids series. Mm-hmm. So I have one lucky person will come on stage and sing a song with us. And then after the show, there's a Shake Shack, which is the best burgers ever. And so we'll all go to lunch together, and it will be like a really fun experience. And then... Um, there's a package that's a lot less expensive than those, actually, that I actually got the idea from Laurie Berkner's campaign um, because I supported her campaign. I thought she did a really wonderful job. And it's um, buying a bunch of CDs to give to a community house or a hospital or a school so you can actually donate that to a hospital, which I thought would be a really nice package for a lot of people to do. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. As I noted, and we've talked about, uh, you you have one successful Kickstarter project under your belt. What what did you learn from that last project that you're 
that you are trying to keep in mind as you uh, move forward on this project? Well, the first thing that I learned was not to do it while I'm in the studio, because that was <laughs> the worst idea ever. It was so time consuming because really this Kickstarter, if you think about it, you're, you're fundraising. So you're, it's a full-time job. You, you need to constantly be reaching out to people because they're not going to find out about it on your own. I mean, everybody that listens to this podcast is going to hear about it. But if they don't listen to this podcast, I don't know who you are if you're not listening to this podcast. But <laughs> obviously, there's a couple of people that may not be listening to this podcast. And then how are they going to hear about it? So it's me reaching out personally, sending personal emails to every single child I've ever done a birthday party for um, in like you know the past 10 years. Um, that's a lot of people, but I feel like they deserve the personal time. And I think that they would appreciate a personal note instead of a mass mail, which is easy to do, but you're not going to get the same, uh, results. So that's the most important thing. I think it's just about personal connections and that's what this is all about. Anyway, really Kickstarter is the, the fans being a part of the process so they can see what's going on and, and how the project is progressing. So I think just bringing it down to a personal level is really what I learned the most about the last one. It's really hard. I'm not going to say that this whole thing is easy. It's very difficult. And every day you're just, you have a knot in your stomach. Like if the number doesn't go up enough and uh Oh, you know, really we're in trouble now, but so far so good. We're we're at 9% in 24 hours, which is yeah, way better than last year. So that's good. That is really good. And, and I suppose, you know, you can read all about Kickstarter projects and about, you know, how there's like a big bump at the beginning and then it sort of plateaus a bit. And, oh, yes. You know, to, the <laughs> to the extent that you've experienced all that, all that already. Yeah. I, well, it's funny because a lot of people have been coming to me over the past year asking for tips about Kickstarter. I know I got a call from Brady Reimer, who I think is, you know, the tops. I, I love Brady Reimer. He was one of the first people I ever saw as a kids artist. And, you know, and he's calling to ask me. And I was just giving him all the help I can get because honestly, we're, it is one big family. And I, I, I donated to him. I donated to Laurie Berkner and everybody that I know, I feel like it's so important to support each other. And, you know, it, it's just, it's all about the music and the kids. So it's, uh, but it's hard. It's really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and obviously, you know, and there are benefits to you as a musician in terms of having that, um, interaction with the mm -hmm. people who are, supporting you um but it also takes away time from that you could otherwise be uh spending making music or creating music or oh uh, yeah performing <laughs> there's not going to be any creating creating music that's happening in the month of march that's <laughs> for sure that's not going to happen it's just all about the kickstarter and i and i i can kind of be that type of person huh. that does multitasking and is able to do this and that, but this is my focus for the next month. And it really will be. And I mean, I do have gigs to book and luckily I have someone that helps me with that a little bit, but at the same time, really, this is, nobody's going to do this for me. That's, there's no, you know, my band isn't doing this on my behalf. Like this is, it's my job. I so see. yeah. Great. <laughs> well, uh, Joni, I have really appreciated talking with you today. Um, Thank if you. people want to find out more about 
the wonderful Joni Leeds, where are the best places on the interwebs that they can go and find out more about you? <laughs> the interwebs. Um, well, you can go to my website, which is just simply JoniLeeds.com. Um, or you can actually, I'm having my web designer update with a little um, a button so you can go straight to the Kickstarter from my website and that should be up in a day or so. So um, Facebook, definitely hit me up on Facebook. I'm on there a lot. So yeah. Excellent. Well, Joni, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you here today. And You uh, too. And listeners, of course, as, as I've said before, you can check out Joni Leeds um, on Kickstarter. Just search for Joni Leeds and make sure you uh, click on the... Uh, Good Egg One, which is uh, her sixth CD for kids. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing the the product when it comes out uh, June 24th, correct? But early, that is right. But early if you pledge. Early if you pledge and lots of fun prizes too. Awesome, awesome. So, Joni, thank you again. Thank you. And, and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can find this episode as well as all the previous episodes of Bake Sale at uh, zooglobal.com slash bake sale, one word. If you listen via iTunes or some other uh, podcast system that lets you rate and review podcasts, I would so appreciate a review. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at zooglobal at earthlink.net. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.